it's time to sit back and relax with your favorite drink. And listen. The Blue Bomber. I sat patiently in my costume, itchy fabric and all, waiting for my Uncle Jeff to arrive. I dressed up as Pennywise this year, as I figured it would be topical enough. I thought everyone else would dress up as a Covid molecule or something. My friend Reagan, who is something else entirely, was throwing a party. I was hoping that by the end of the night she and I would be more than friends. And this is why, in lieu of my dad driving me to Reagan's Halloween party, I'd ask my Uncle Jeff. Whereas my dad is buttoned down and uptight, my Uncle Jeff was laid back and pretty cool in general. Jeff begged my dad to loosen up over the years, which had often led my dad to make fun of him. But Jeff liked his life, and he was the life of the party. Uncle Jeff was the one that taught me about video games, and bands like the Pixies, among all the other cool stuff I know. Over the years, he went out of his way to help me find myself and navigate my teens. He felt more like my older brother than my uncle. I was expecting him to pull up into the driveway in his Crown Victoria. Oh, Colour me surprised when I could hear the wailing of a 3.3 litre V6 as it sputtered and stalled its way into my driveway. I could smell the oil leak from my living room. God damn it, he yelled from outside as the engine abruptly shut off. I sighed and made my way to the door, where my dad had already beat me to it and had thrown it open. Dad was still wearing his dress shirt and slacks from the workday, even though he worked at home now. Jeff, he shouted, you drove that damn thing over here. And there he was. It was the end of October and my uncle was still wearing cargo shorts, sneakers and a matching Orioles t-shirt and baseball cap. He always wore this crap. That's part of the reason I love him so much. I got it, Ray. Just give me a minute, he yelled back. Jeff had the hood up on the baby blue 2003 caravan and was looking through the engine compartment. He slid one of the rear doors open and grabbed a gallon of water. He ran back to the hood and opened up a yellow tab, then started pouring water in. As he did this, he looked back. Ah, she'll run fine now, Ray. It's the damn radiator, he shouted back. If I dump water in the reservoir, hey, do you ever take that suit off? Dad shook his head and looked at me. The expression on his face was priceless. Are you sure you want to go to a Halloween party in that thing? With him? Last chance, Ian. Jesus Christ. Are you going as Pennywise? Jeff asked me, walking towards the house. Yeah, I put a lot of work into this. There isn't much worse of a Halloween costume, he replied. You didn't even go as the Tim Curry version of Pennywise, but I'd take it off. I'm already ready, I replied, a little whiny, and I don't have another costume. He shook his head. Hmm, I got something, he said, and he went into the passenger side and pulled out a sailor hat and red and white striped shirt. It's Steve's work costume from Stranger Things Season 3. I figured you might mess this up, so I took it upon myself to bring you a backup. And with that, he walked towards the house. Well, I mean, what's wrong with this costume? I shot back with my dad shaking his head now and walking back into the house, throwing his arms up in exasperation. Let me ask you a question, he responded, now on my doorstep. This party that I'm taking you to, is there going to be someone there that you like? After a moment of thought, I nodded. Uh He responded with a cocky grin. 
now. She thinks she's going to be so willing to make out with a demonic clown from literally the nightmares of children. I raised my finger to counter him, but he actually made a great point. He nodded and pointed back inside my house, throwing the costume at me. Yeah, go get changed. I'll be in the blue bomber, he replied as he turned back and walked to the minivan, shaking his head the whole time. I let out a sigh and went back into my house. It took another forty-five minutes, but I then ran downstairs and got into the van. It shifted into gear, and we backed out of the driveway. Oh, for reasons I'd never understood, she was my uncle's pride and joy. A 2003 sky-blue Dodge Caravan SXT with a mighty V6 engine. Jeff had picked me up from elementary school the day he bought it in 2015. He dragged his 2008 Kia and the insurance paid out. I was as freaked out when I was an 11-year-old as I was when he pulled up into the driveway tonight. Oh, I saved a tarnian, he told me. Only paid a thousand dollars for it. Can you believe it? Oh, I can keep driving Uber with it, too. That was the thing. Jeff wasn't ever really committed to one job. Primarily, he was a daytime courier with a local chemical laboratory. But he always needed extra money for car maintenance and gas, on top of the small cost of living he had with my kind of aunt, Lisa. So he supplemented that by driving for Uber and Lyft whenever he'd wake up during the day. Oh, it's uh, got a couple of hiccups, he told me as the oil light came on. The first of many times since he'd bought it. I remember as a kid, when he was driving me home, I noticed the beads. Hung off the rearview mirror, there were these black beads that connected to an odd wooden cross. Eh, what's with the cross, Uncle Jeff? I asked him. He looked at the rear view, and he got uncharacteristically quiet. <sighs> Damned if I know, he responded simply. Uh, I'll be honest, bud. I bought this off a gypsy. Uh, one of those gypsies that runs the palm reading out of her house in Claymont. Why? I asked. Oh, because the price was right, he replied. The only thing was, when I got in to drive it away, she stopped me and pointed at them. Know what she said? He asked with a chuckle. I just looked at him. He started into his terrible Mediterranean accent. Someday, Jeff, he started. Someday you'll have an adventure far from home, and you'll need these to get back. Never take them from the van. And then he grabbed the beads and ran them through his hand while we were at a red light. Isn't that the coolest damn thing, Ian? He asked me. That's the problem with your dad. Where he's always working, and all he sees is money. Where's the adventure in that bud? My uncle's favorite word is adventure. Everything with him has to be an adventure. It's how he gets through his deliveries with the courier company, or each of his Uber trips. He doesn't see it as work. Uh, he sees it as an adventure. And uh, well, maybe he has a point, frankly. He's been all over the East Coast, from Florida to Maine, as well as parts of the northern and southern Midwest. I didn't really believe the gypsy story, either. My uncle had a, uh, a tendency to, well, embellish a bit when he told a story. I mean, he may be a 36-year-old courier, but he gave me a very critical piece of life advice. Worst comes to worse, Ian. It's a souvenir, he told me. Always remember that. Wherever you go in life, take a keepsake. Otherwise, how will anyone know where you've been? Every souvenir you keep is another story to tell. In the blue
blue bomber now, I looked around at a few of Jeff's little souvenirs. Besides all the cobwebs on the windshield and the thumbtacks holding the upholstery to the ceiling, the mighty minivan was littered with parking receipts from Cleveland, toll receipts from New York, and even some busted-up words. The word was from the legendary big white church in Centralia, PA. They tore the church down recently. Hey, Jeff. I started to ask him as a thought dawned on me. You can't even drive Uber in this thing anymore, can you? And Uncle Jeff looked over at me and smiled. No, no, I can't, Ian, he replied to me. That's actually part of why I drove it to your house tonight instead of the Vic. I've, um, got a surprise for you. I perked up. Oh, what is it? You're sitting in it, Bart. My heart sank. I stared down at the glove box in front of me, which she taped shut with gorilla tape. I remembered asking about that before. Oh, that, he'd replied. I screwed up the latch and now the damn glove box keeps popping open. I taped it shut. I have a second glove box anyway. It's under the seat, he told me. The tape gave me even more trepidation as we drove towards Reagan's house now. What other issues were wrong in this van that I didn't want to see? Uh, see, I figure with you turning 16 next year, I'll just give you the blue bar, he said enthusiastically. She's all yours. I've been getting worked on her. Got the brakes done, new tires, and so on. Just have to figure out the radiator, and she'll be all ready to go. And as if on cue, the van rumbled. Uncle Jeff cursed to himself. Oh, uh, and the damn fuel pump, he replied. We'll um, need to get you a space heater, too. Yeah, the uh, heating core blew up last year and shot water all through the defroster. But she still hums. Oh, I responded. Well, um, thanks, Uncle Jeff. I might look for my own car. The smile on my uncle's face dropped as he looked back to the road. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not the most stylish thing, but the blue bomber is a tank. She can get through anything, and she's not even at 200,000 miles yet. I mean, well, I did feel for my uncle a bit. For reasons that he never quite made clear, he sure loved this stupid minivan. I hated to offend him, but I couldn't drive that death trap. He once had a leak in the fuel pump that could have engulfed him in flames, and he drove it that way for six months before taking it to the shop. He let out a sigh. Well, I see your point. Your dad can take you to finance something anyway. You'll get a warranty out of that, he said before driving the rest of the way in silence. Well, almost the rest of the way. So, um, is this going to be a good party or a lame-ass party? He asked me when we were about three minutes away from Reagan's house. It's going to be fun, I replied. We're going to do some fun stuff, you know, play a few games. I think someone has a Ouija board and we're going to try a seance. He smirked. Hmm. <clears throat> Got a condom? What? I shot back. I mean, is this girl hot? Well, to you anyway, you know. Different strokes and all that. You like her? He'd seen me turning red because, even though I didn't say anything, he shot me this huge grin. Here, he said, and opened the glove box. The date on this should still be good. He was rummaging around through the box now and pulled out something small and square. He handed me a condom. I'll keep them in there for the writers I get that are trying to get down to business, he said, 
looking back at the road. You wouldn't believe the tips I get afterward. Sheepishly, I uh, put the foil in my pocket. Oh, and uh, no offense, bud, but you were actually kind of a surprise, he told me. Ray was not expecting you, neither was your mom, but your dad did a good job raising you, he told me. He was silent for another moment as the GPS announced that we turned onto a street that led into Reagan's development. Now, your mother, on the other hand, is a total pain in the ass, he said out of nowhere. I told Ray not to marry her, and now look at him. I'll let that be my last life lesson to you tonight, Ian. Don't bother getting married. Your Aunt Lisa and I are doing just fine. Well, I mean, that's my mom, Uncle Jeff. I said back to him in a mild defense. Uh, he was kind of right, and I didn't get along with her in the least. But I just didn't really want to hear about her tonight. The GPS announced that we'd arrived, and unfortunately Uncle Jeff decided to park in the driveway. Well, I imagine that Reagan, Tyler, and a few of my other friends, and some of my not-friends, heard the blue bomber stumble up the driveway and ran to the doors and windows to gawk at her. As I tried to hurry from the blue bomber, I noticed Uncle Jeff had put it in park and opened the door alongside me. I was mortified as Reagan opened her door and was staring at us, well, as mortified as a fifteen-year-old could be looking at her. She was dressed up as a female vampire, so maybe there was something to what my uncle said about Halloween costumes. Uncle Jeff, what are you doing? I nervously asked. Oh, I need to take a leak he replied, then stared up at Reagan's house. And soon I heard the laughter. Oh, I kicked myself internally. I asked Jeff to drive me because he was cooler than my dad, and I figured he'd just drop me off and come back when the party had ended. Not so much this time, I guessed. Hey, uh, you must be Ian's friend, Reagan, he shouted like a dope, and I heard the laughter spewing from the house. I'm Ian's uncle, Jeff. Um, can I use your bathroom? People inside the house were howling, but Reagan, the sweet girl that she is, gave me a look of horrified sympathy. Um, okay, she replied. It's nice to meet you, Uncle Jeff. And my uncle stormed his way inside, and I followed him. Reagan has a nice house for all intents and purposes. She lives in a McMansion in a new development on the good side of Delaware County. There was a chandelier when we walked in that lit a grand staircase quite well. The music blaring out of the kitchen was some panic at the disco song I'd heard way too much in the past month. I saw a few people I knew from school, and some I wish I didn't know. Some kids really went out of the way to dress up for this, namely the girls, and others really didn't try at all, namely the boys. Somewhat shockingly, people liked my Steve costume, so score one for my uncle. As I was getting into the swing of things... Kenny, this awful, awful dick from my algebra class, sauntered over to me. He was dressed like the Joker, but didn't bother with the makeup, so just the purple suits. Well, that was just like Kenny to do. Ian, he yelled, holding up a red solo cup in an exaggerated gesture. Hey, way to make a dumb costume look dumber, pal. And of course, a few of his sycophantic dick friends laughed along with him. Now, he told me walking up next to me and putting his arm around me. Kids smelled like two wine coolers, I swear. Heard you brought a guest to this little soiree, and to think you haven't introduced me to your dear, dear uncle yet. 
I shot a look of panic over at Reagan, who mouthed the word sorry at me. As if the timing couldn't get any worse, out from the bathroom came my Uncle Jeff. Well, speak of the devil, cried Kenny, and went to introduce himself to my uncle. Uncle Jeff, is it? Who the hell are you, kid? He responded to Kenny, which caught him off guard a little bit. Kenny backed off a little, but nevertheless tried his best to antagonize my uncle. My name's Kenny, Uncle Jeff, he replied. Just wanted to introduce myself and have a chance to meet you. Ian tells us so much about you. Here, you're the cool uncle. I rubbed my temples after I saw Jeff smirk a little. Well, I guess you could say that, Kenny, he replied, and I internally begged him not to keep overstaying his welcome. Well, and the grin on Kenny's face was growing huger. We're about to tell some stories, Uncle Jeff. Say, what do you do for a living, if you don't mind me asking? Jeff shrugged. I'm a courier. In my spare time, I drive Uber and Lyft. There were more chuckles as Kenny purposefully put on a big, stupid expression. Oh, wow, Uber, he over-exaggerated. Oh, you must have some stories, huh? Jeff smirked again. I guess you could say that too, Kenny. So, Kenny said, taking a seat on the nearby couch. Since we're about to tell stories, how about you tell us what it's like to drive Uber and Lyft? What's the worst customer you've ever had? Jeff walked over to the perpendicular love seat and sat down. I'll do you one better, Kenny, he said, the smirk never leaving his lips. This is a Halloween party and it's mischief night, right? He looked around at everyone as they were all staring at him with bated breath now. Well, I won't tell you that, he finally replied, but I will tell you the scariest ride I ever took. Who wants to hear it? And to my surprise, they all crowded around my Uncle Jeff. Okay, so the year's 2015, he started. As a matter of fact, it's five years ago to the day. Mischief Night was on a Friday that year, with Halloween on Saturday, so the Uber market, which had just started in the Philly area, was going off. In his attempt, Slang drew some laughs. But he continued. Oh, it was party central, he said. So I was a designated driver all night. Oof, I made a mint too. Just the blue bomber and I. That's the van parked out there. Well, if I'm blocking anyone, let me know and I'll move it, by the way. Uncle Jeff, Kenny interrupted. I noticed that the blue bomber had a cross hanging from the rearview mirror. Are you religious? Jeff laughed. <laughs> no, that came with the van. I bought it from a gypsy who told me I'd need it some day soon. As a matter of fact, I used to take the thing down when I was driving. Now I leave it up all the time. I think it actually causes people to tip me, funny enough. I'm actually glad you brought that up, Kenny. As a matter of fact, I took it down that very night. Now, may I continue? By all means, Kenny said, doing a mock apologetic gesture with his arm. It's the end of the night. Midnight, as a matter of fact. Jeff started up again. Now it's Halloween. I'm about done. I made about 150 bucks up to that point, but actually my girlfriend and I need more. A lot more. Her insurance screwed her on an insulin copay that month, and we're in a bit of a bind, so I'm driving through Chad's Ford, okay? I'm trying to find Route 1, 
So I pull over and hop out of the van to stretch my legs and get my bearings. Jeff stood up out of the love seat now and took out his phone. He made exaggerated gestures. Oh, I swear to God, he continued. I'm looking around and then down at my phone, and from behind I hear, Excuse me, sir. I was wondering if you could take me somewhere. I realized that Jeff was doing accents again. This one sounded like broken transatlantic. I turn around, he continued. This tall, skinny, weird-looking shit. Couldn't have been older than twenty-five. He's standing there with a grin on his face. Oh, he wasn't smiling. No teeth were sticking out. Just a grin. He had to be about six foot three, but he looked like he only weighed a hundred and forty pounds. But he wasn't pale. It was weird. I mean, his skin gave off this kind of yellow-greenish hue. He had a stupid wide-brim hat on and was wearing a white T-shirt with suspenders and black trousers. Oh, does anyone have a drink? Water? Anything? I've got a beer, someone said as my uncle shook his head. I'm driving, he responded. Bottle of water, anything. I hate to ask, but my voice goes when I tell a story. Someone handed him a bottle of water, of which he twisted the cap off and took a few hearty gulps. When he was done, Jeff put the cap back on and continued. <clears throat> so, uh, I look this kid over. Honest to God, I thought it was a Halloween costume, like zombie Amish or something. So I asked him outright. Yeah, um, what can I do for you? To which he actually took a step towards me. My Uncle Jeff cleared his throat to do his old transatlantic accent again. So this kid says, Good evening, traveler, in this big, enthusiastic voice. I was wondering if you could do a favor for me. And at this time I noticed his hands. Jeff tries to size his own hands into a ball. On his right hand, he continued, is this golden ring with this huge sapphire jewel. Looked like a shitty glass ring, to be honest. Well, that's what got me into this mess. Well, I figured he was just a kid, because I thought he had a damn class ring. So, I looked back into his eyes. She looked kind of grey. But I thought they were hazel, I guess. And I asked him again. Okay, what can I do for you? Jeff sat back on the love seat. A few people were exchanging glances of, Are you kidding me? But most of them, even Reagan, gave him their undivided attention. So, kid says to me, I'm a bit far from home. I was wondering if you could take me the rest of the way. So I gave him this look, thinking he was going to make me drive him to Maryland or something, and then skimp on the tab. I asked him, Well, I'm the closest one to you. Why'd you bring up the app and call for a ride? Oh, pardon me for a moment. And Jeff took another sip of water. By the way, uh, whoever gave me this, thanks a million. He said as he took another sip and put the cat back on. Now, he says to me, Well, I don't have the app. He says it very simply and draws on the word app. I figured he was being sarcastic with me, but looking back, I don't think he knew what the word meant. Tried to draw the word out so he didn't mess it up. Anyway, I asked him. All right. Well, where are you going? And finally his lips parted and he started to smile. But, oh, it wasn't a normal smile. His eyes got weird, all beady all of a sudden, and his teeth were just terrible. They were the brownest brown you'll ever see in your life. 
They smelled like shit. A few people gasped. Oh, you ain't kidding, Jeff said, acknowledging them. I took a step back and now I was trying to get out of this mess, but he said through his teeth, Potterfield, New York. Yeah, he wanted to go to freaking New York. I also realized another thing. There is no Potterfield, New York. I actually told him that. You mean uh, Pottersville? Well, he actually got a little angry at that and closed his hideous mouth. No, it's Potterfield. I know my own town, he told me. And again, trying to get out of it, I told him, No, 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 it's way too late for me to go to New York State tonight. But then he grabbed something from his back pocket. At this point, my uncle opened one of his cargo pockets and grabbed his wallet from inside. He opened the wallet and took out what looked like a bill. I realized at this point that I'd never heard this story, or if he'd ever told it to me, I wasn't paying attention. And so, I got closer to the love seat. Everyone was trying to see what he had in his hand. Uh, he tells me, I'll pay you out of my pocket. And he walks closer to me, almost gets in my face and hands me these. It was actually an American hundred dollar silver note from the late 1800s. He even had James Monroe's face on it. I couldn't believe it either, he told us. I thought it was counterfeit or something. I actually took my phone out and Googled it that moment right in front of him. And while he just stared at me, my browser let me know these things actually existed. Well, when I saw their value was a dollar twenty-five to one, I thought, well, I desperately need six hundred bucks for Lisa's insulin. And I nodded. We needed the damn money, and I was in no position to say no. And I shoved him in my pocket, and I opened the side door for him. He sat down, I got in and shifted gear, and we started to New York State. Luckily, I just filled my tank. Oh, I never like to drive the bomber home without filling her up first. Well, what happened with the rest of the bills? Someone asked. Actually, it was Reagan. He laughed. Sold him to a pawn shop on 202. He responded. Four of those bills, anyway. Kept this one as a keepsake. Always, kids. Always keep a memento of where you've been. Otherwise, no one will know where you've been. He took a long look at the bill before putting it in his wallet. Well, they weren't counterfeit after all. They were real, he said to the silver knight. Damned if they weren't real. Oh, come on, Kenny yelled out now, frustrated, no longer with that stupid, cocked look on his face. You don't expect me to believe this shit, do you? Jeff put his wallet back in his cargo pocket and took another long sip of water. Kenny, he started. The only thing I expect out of you is that later in life, you're going to run the business that your dad, whichever rich asshole in Glen Mills that he is, entrusted to you into the ground, and your wife is going to leave you for the pool boy. Afterwards, while you're sitting alone in your new studio apartment, wondering where your life went, I hope you'll remember this story that I'm telling as part of the better years of your life. Kenny, mouth open, stumbled back and sat on the couch. I'm not even sure he blinked for a few minutes. Ooh, damn, Uncle Jeff, that's savage, someone else yelled, as the rest of the room was whisper quiet now. Mm, if I can continue, he said, with a smirk back on his face. I pulled out my phone and I typed Pottersville into my GPS. I'll tell him, okay, so to get to Pottersville, it's about six hours. 
Well, he got mad again and screamed. Potterfield. And it sounded awful when he screamed it. So I looked up Potterfield and nothing came up on the GPS. I say, mister, actually I never got your name. And he responds, it's Jacob. And I replied, okay, Mr. Jacob, my map doesn't have Potterfield on it. I don't know what you want from me. Jeff shook his head. He sighed, which, again, didn't sound quite right, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And he told me as I looked in the rear view, Well, do you know where Kingston is? It's a little north of Kingston. When we get there, I can give you directions for the rest of the way. And I caught myself staring at that damn ring of his. But I obliged him. Kingston it is, I remember saying to him. I also realized while looking at the GPS that Kingston was only three and a half hours away, which put me at ease. Uncle Jeff was sure to catch his breath before he continued with the meat of the story. I set a course for Kingston and we arrived, he said. As I said, it was almost a four-hour drive and the entire time up there we never made conversation of any kind. Now this is a normal thing, believe it or not. I know people in Uber cars like to be left alone and I'm fine with that. I hate forcing a conversation. Usually those people look at their phones and put earbuds in or something, or go to sleep. But not Jacob. He was something else. I periodically looked in the mirror, and I only ever saw him facing forward. That default grin he had on his lips, looking at me and watching me drive. I looked in the rearview mirror about once every twenty minutes. And every single time I did, for three hours, he was staring at me. And if I caught him, he didn't even look away. He just kept on staring. Jeff was starting to look uneasy now. And I noticed more and more people were crowding around him, genuinely interested in this. He took another pull from the water bottle, emptying it out. And he put the empty bottle on a coffee table. So, eventually, he continued, we make it to Kingston. I look in the mirror, and he's still staring at me. I asked him, Okay, Jacob, this is Kingston. Where to now? And he told me to keep driving north, where eventually we hit a fork in the road. He told me, well, actually, he simply pointed to the left. Yeah, he just pointed, so I drive down the road to the left, and he keeps pointing to these side roads. It's almost 4 a.m. when he points to one final road that leads into a forest. Oh, I'm not kidding. It was a long, brown dirt road that nestled in between thickets of trees on either side. But, per his silent instructions, I drove down the dirt path. Jeff rubbed his face as he continued. Everyone was crowded around him now, like it was an actual campfire. Well, eventually we hit a giant clearing, maybe after three or so miles down this damn thing, he said. The dirt road we were on connected to a bunch of other dirt roads, and in the center of it all, there it was, an old brown wooden sign with the white letters that read Potterfield. There was a population count of about a hundred or so scrawled underneath, and I noticed the buildings. They were stone and brick, all of them white with dark black shutters. They looked like old New England farmhouses, all of them. They had those old cross window panes and everything. Jeff fought for a moment. But, he began again, come to think of it, the panes of glass were wrong. Those windows weren't cross-paned, not quite. It's like the crosses were upside down. 
and he looked at everyone for effect, and then smirked. A couple of them groaned again, but he pressed on. Well, we kept driving until that little village was far behind us. Eventually he pointed to a big plantation-style stone mansion on the right side of the road, all by itself, Jeff said. At the foot of the dirt path leading up to it, Jacob tells me, This is my home. So I pull over and let him out. He gets out of the van as I circle back to the driver's seat. But before I get in, he tells me, staring me dead in the face, Enjoy your little town of Potterfield, Jeff. He turned and walked towards the giant stone house. Jeff stopped here and looked at everyone again. But, he said simply, I never told Jacob my name. And Uncle Jeff simply stopped talking for a moment. But, a voice called out. It was actually Kenny, dead serious now. What happened, Jeff? Jeff smiled and got back into the story. Well, at this point, he started. I freaked out because I know I never told that kid my name. I start the bomber up and turn around down the dirt path and head back the way I came. And he looked deeply at all of us again. Well, I did pass by the town. Wasn't a soul on the streets. But as I started down the dirt path we'd originally come down to get back on the main road, something had changed. I drove down four or five miles, but it just kept going and going. No landmarks. I couldn't even get specific details from any rocks or trees near me. It was just a small forest and darkness, over and over. Jeff thought about the story for a moment and continued. Everyone was on the edge of his saw her seat now. I need gas at this point, he said. So I decided to go back to Potterfield to see if I could find a gas station that maybe I'd missed. After struggling for a minute to turn around, well, I do have a bad power steering pump, I got her turned around and we drove back. Now, I kid you not. About a half mile later, we were back in the town. I checked the odometer again just to be sure. And I was right, the mileage didn't make sense. In addition, my dashboard clock said it was 3.55 a.m. It never moved in the entire time I was up there. What did you do then, Jeff? This time it was Reagan who asked. He scratched his head. Once I hit the town again, I parked near the sign and got out, he said. I looked around for any sign of life. I then noticed a few things. There weren't any bugs or any birds or anything making a noise. There were no wildlife sounds of any kind. Other than the moonlight, there wasn't any light in the town besides my headlights. Well, I walked around the town for a little, trying to find anything remotely resembling gasoline. When I checked inside all of these houses, that was another thing altogether. What were the houses like? I now find myself asking still didn't believe him, but I was really getting caught up in his story, just like everyone else. That's a thing, Bart, he said, right to me. From what I could tell, using my phone flashlight, they were dusty and deserted. There were cobwebs and thick layers of dust everywhere. He even broke into one and confirmed that. But the worst part of the house I broke into, I took a look in the small dining area, and under the dust and cobwebs was food. Four plates were set up and they had turkey on all of them. But it all looked half-eaten and the chairs were knocked over. It was like they were just there, 
got up in the middle of dinner and left. A bunch of us gasped, and Jeff chuckled. <laughs> I know, right? He asked rhetorically. Anyway, I came back outside, and as I made my way back to the Blue Bomber, I saw a young girl nearby. Well, I saw her from the back. She wore this old hoop dress and a bonnet. Well, she looked like she was doing a reenactment of some kind. Now, don't get me wrong, I am creeped out to hell at this point, and I needed to get the hell out of Potterfield. I didn't approach this girl out of stupid curiosity. I did it out of desperation. You went up to the girl? Kenny asked. Jeff nodded. I got within twenty feet of her and I said, Excuse me, miss. Can you tell me how to get out of town and back onto the main road? I'm low on gas. And she doesn't say a thing. I get a little closer. I ask again, and that's when I notice the stench. God, oh, she smelled like something foul. As I gagged into my hand, she turned around. She was pale, but also gave off that same hue to her skin that Jacob did. There was a collective gasp in the room now. But funny enough, Jeff looked like he was elsewhere. It was like he'd forgotten he was telling a fun story. And now it was like he was recapping events that happened for a police interrogation. So, I asked her again, Jeff said. Not looking at anyone now, just staring down at the coffee table. And she turns round and had the same damn beady eyes and smiled with those same awful brown teeth. And she said to me, You can't leave, Jeff. Only Jacob can leave. But we'll make a home for you in Potterfield. And she laughed and laughed. Well, I backed the hell up and turned to run back to the bomber. And as I did, they all literally came out of the woodwork. They... Reagan simply asked. He nodded, but didn't look at her. Oh, there must have been dozens of them. They were all dressed the same, all had those weird skin hues, and all had those goofy baked bean teeth. You know who was leading them to the square? Goddamn Jacob himself. So I ran to my van as they closed in on me. I got in and tried to start it, but she wouldn't turn over this time. He looked up. It was the fuel pump. He said, simply, What a time for the van to fail, just like in a horror movie. And I looked into Uncle Jeff's eyes, and I figured it out, finally. Jeff was upset with me, not because I didn't want the van in general, but also because over the years, that van had been his best friend and his protector. They'd been all over the eastern United States together, and the story he was telling now, whether it was embellished or not, this was the only time since he bought the van that my uncle, the bravest and coolest man that I knew, was scared that they weren't going to make it home that night. Tears welled up in his eyes, and he stood up now. I started kicking at the steering wheel, bashing it with my fists. He continued. I kept screaming, oh, come on, girl, come on, and just wailing at her. He stopped for a moment and sat down to catch his breath. I looked at everyone, and they all stared at him in anticipation. They didn't know if he'd make it home that night either. Well, they came closer and closer to us, he continued. Oh, now I'm desperate, just beating on the console. Hit the glove box at that point. 
Turns out I broke the damn thing and had to tape it up later. The gorilla tape. And, well, there was something in the glove box. He continued. Something I used to take down when I took Uber trips because I didn't want people to laugh at me. It was something that someone once told me I would need when I least expected it. Kenny gasped and spoke up now. The cross and the beads, Kenny said out loud. Jeff looked at him, smiled and nodded. And again, I'm not a praying man, Jeff continued. I had no other choice, so I grabbed the cross and beads, closed my eyes, and I waited for the end. And Jeff stopped his story one last time, and everyone just stared, mouths agape. So I was the one to speak up. Well, Uncle Jeff, I began, how did you get home? I was waiting there with my eyes closed, he continued, and I waited and waited and kept on waiting, and nothing was happening, so I opened my eyes. He stood up again and made a big circle gesture with his hands. They all still surrounded the bomber, he said, but something was wrong. They couldn't move or something. I looked down at the cross in my hand and then held it up to them, and they all threw their hands up and looked away from it. So I got out and walked over to Jacob. First thing I did was punch him square in the jaw. A couple of kids laughed again. But when I did, he continued. His jaw actually fell off. No kidding. It was lying right there in the grass. He then came back at me and grabbed my hand with his right hand. And there was some smoke and it smelled terrible. He screamed and I kid you not, he'd broken off his forearm right at the wrist. A couple of kids moaned out a hearty, Ew. and I looked at the hand in the grass, Jeff said. It was his right hand, the one with the ring on it. And I remembered what that freaky ghoul girl had told me. Only Jacob can leave, Reagan said. Jeff nodded and smiled again. So I grabbed his hand. I didn't waste time getting the damn ring off. I just took the hand. I got back in the bummer, threw the hand on the passenger seat, before I shut the door, I yelled back to him. Welcome for the ride, asshole. Oh, be sure to leave me five stars. I turned the key, and wouldn't you know it, the engine fired right up. Jeff took one last breath before the epilogue to his story. Well, we drove back down the dirt road we'd come in on, he said. And the trees parted, the road opened up, and I swear to this day, as I turned onto the main road, Night changed to day. My dash clock started to work again. It read six on the dot. My phone started to work too. Jeff got up now. I never actually told anyone that story, he said. Not my girlfriend Lisa. Not even Ian. You all got to hear it for the first time. Jeff then made his way to the door. Oh, enjoy your party, he told them. They actually applauded him as he walked out of the front door. Well, the rest of the night went well. That was the last of the ghost stories, but we had fun. And Reagan even kissed me. She actually invited me ghost hunting, of all things, which was something I never knew she was into. I counted that as a win, even though I didn't use the condom that Jeff had given me. Something that oh, kind of freaked me out. I just enjoyed the moment. 
And while I was having fun, I made a decision. So I texted Jeff to pick me up, and we headed back. And I had made up my mind. How was the party? he asked. It was fun, I told him. In fact, I decided how important it is to have such a reliable car. So, um, I was thinking, Uncle Jeff, I've got some cash stored away. Why don't you and I get the fuel pump and the heating core fixed? You know, I'd be honoured to drive the Blue Bomber. I actually petted the dashboard when I said it. Jeff laughed. Thanks, buddy, he replied. I didn't want to give her up to someone who didn't appreciate her. I think you're the coolest, Uncle Jeff. I told him to reassure him. I'm glad you're not my dad. I mean, I love him and all, but I'm glad you drove me tonight. He smiled at me, and we pressed on. And as we drove, we came up to a Wawa convenience store, where my uncle pulled in. Listen, I'm going to go and get an ice, he said. You want anything? I shook my head. I'll be out in a jiffy, he said. And he ran into the store. As I waited... I looked down at the black duct tape covering the glove box to keep it from opening. I remembered one little throwaway detail that Jeff told me before. I have a second glove box anyway. It's under the seat. I reached under the seat and sure enough there was a door with a keyhole. It was unlocked and so I opened it. I reached inside and I screamed. I pulled up a skeletal hand. It had a sapphire and gold ring on the third finger. Always take a souvenir, Ian, my uncle told me from the passenger side. He'd snuck up on me as I was pulling the hand out. Otherwise, no one will know where you've been. Never underestimate the power of a really cool uncle. <laughs> well, I myself never had a cool uncle. Uh, not growing up, anyway. And, um, well, uh, my kids have me as their dad. And the cool dad. And the uncle's less cool. Oh, damn. What if he's listening to this? He's going to... Um, could be in real trouble now. Well, anyway, uh, I have no idea what I'm saying, but never underestimate the power of a cool uncle. You can invite them anywhere. It's all good. So, uh, yeah, we're having our bathroom completely renovated at the moment, completely redone. And it's causing a hell of a lot of noise during the day, so it's really cutting down on the amount of time I can uh, record. But I managed to get this one out just in time, so I hope this uh, is enough for your Friday evening's entertainment. Uh, the workers aren't in at the weekend, so I'll be doing a lot of recording. So, maybe something tomorrow. Something on Sunday, definitely. But whatever, whenever I next get to you... For now, I just wish you a very, very sweet dream, and bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this story today. It really means a lot to me, and to the author of the story, of course. Well, if you want to know more about me, I'm pretty much everywhere on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can download my music on SoundCloud. Um, I've got a Patreon if you feel like. Throw me a dollar or two. Very much appreciated. And of course, on Reddit, I have a place where you can leave stories if you want me to read one that you've written. Well, hoping to see you all again very soon. Till then, sweet dreams. Bye-bye.